On this week's podcast, we go full spooky season when I tell Drew the story of a curse in Argentina. We're going back to South America, Drew. You ready? Oh, I'm so ready. I hope you're ready too. Buckle up. This is Deadball Brothers. Welcome to Deadball Brothers, a weekly podcast about soccer and history with a healthy dose of stupidity. So healthy that your teeth might decay a little bit. That's going to be okay. I wonder when this joke's going to run out. It it will never run out. I wonder if people are tired of it by now. Nope. I mean, if they're still listening to us, they're probably not tired of it. Yeah. Because I feel like you get tired of our voices before you get tired of that joke. That makes sense. That's fair to me. Yeah. I am everybody's least favorite athletic writer, Adam Whitaker-Snavely, joined, as always, by my real-life brother, Drew Snavely. And I am a fan of Manchester United. Ooh. For those of you who do not know. Actually a uh, fan. They gave me just enough, just enough of juice in my... A little glimmer of hope. United fandom to, to push me through to at least next week. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's way better than it was last time, When honestly. we will surely lose. <laughs> who are you playing next week? I, I meant to check, but I don't know. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> that's where I'm at right now. I I know we, the Bills play the Eagles. Yeah, that's but what I don't know in the I don't know in who the United's playing. So. We we are recording this on Monday because of a uh, um, just a scheduling thing for us, and I know that Drew, you just got off work, so you came straight from there into the podcast. Just slid right in. I have to ask, did you see the score of the Arsenal game? Oh, I completely forgot there was a game today. Arsenal and Sheffield United played today. Okay, can I guess? Please guess for me right now. 1-0 Sheffield United. You are absolutely correct. Yes! <laughs> Let's go! Please tell me that John Lundstrom scored a goal. It wasn't John Lundstrom. Uh, did he get the assist? I don't I don't. He think probably so. didn't. But he got the clean sheet. He did get the clean sheet. Big news for all you FPL fans out there. John Lundstrom is the bargain of this FPL season. Um... If any of you are he is. paying he's attention un- to that. He's he's still only because he started so low and he's still only like in the fives for price no, or something he, like he's that. 4. 5. Good, he's four point five. He started Lord. at four dollars. And yeah. so if you got him then, I mean it's similar to Juan Basaka last year when he was four dollars and then played every game for Crystal Palace. Yeah, and was getting Buku points. Clean sheets and I mean, just playing at four dollars is is really good. Yeah. Uh, but to be playing at four dollars and then also being uh, advanced up the pitch enlisted as a defender still, even though he's playing more of like a box to box midfielder. We're telling you is it's really good. It's really good. It's really good. It's what you want. Go Sheffield United. Shouts out to uh, Hubbard Aaron Farr, my friend who listens to the podcast and likes to trash talk Drew about. Manchester United on the Twitter. Oh, uh, he's an Arsenal fan. Um, I do think that this means that Sheffield United is above Un- Manchester United in the Premier League table now. <laughs> so from the, from this point forward, we'll have to refer to uh, Sheffield United as United and Manchester United as, as Manchester, Manchester United. United. Yeah, Sheffield the, United is just United now. Yeah, Manchester United is no longer United. The Blades. We have lost that that claim. You might be able to win it back. Maybe. We'll Maybe. see. We'll see. Drew, I have a story for you in the spirit of Halloween. Okay. It's spooky season. And I'm not talking about 
that costume store that pops up for a month either. Uh, Party City, Halloween City. <laughs> There's also Spirit Halloween. Spirit Halloween, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. Oh, that, man. That's what I'm actually Shout to. Shouts to you, Spirit Halloween. Absolutely. There are two, there are two here then. Yeah. Yeah, there's a well. Party City is open year round. When when those things pop up, I'm just like, man, how big can the market for this actually be? But I mean, but they make crazy money. I guess they do for like that month. But Party City's up year round. They have like solo cups. And I'm surprised that more clothing stuff. brands don't do like some risque costume <laughs> campaigns around the October season. I feel like they could be pretty successful. I think the Premier League should do that. Maybe sexy Mike Dean. Sexy Monday. Giving yellow cards left and right, (laughs) baby. Gosh, we should uh, get into the story. Yikes, we should get into the story. So, Drew. Yeah. I'm going to talk to you about a curse. Okay. I like curses. Do you have any notable curses? Any any notable curses that come to mind for you? I mean, the the Chicago Cubs curse, uh, Red right. Sox curse. They're, they're a lot of baseball. A lot of baseball. I mean, when you have a, a team that was historically good back in the day, but hadn't like been to the playoffs or won a World Series mm-hmm. in like eighty years or a yeah. hundred years, um, that that's curse worthy. Yeah, it's definitely curse worthy. I, I don't know if I can think of anything off the top of my head that would be a soccer curse related outside of. Ghanaian witch doctors okay. and, and well, the curses that. that they would put on um i was it did they ever put a curse on clint dempsey they they uh, at one point said they were going to put a curse on a the united states i yeah. think well and ghana beat united the u.s in like two consecutive world cups yeah and then the u.s won but that Brazil. was just in the group stage yes the, the, in 2006 and in 2000, no, in 2010 it was knockout stages. Knockout, yeah, knockout stages. It was, and then they got Luis Suarez in the quarterfinal. Oh yeah, that was right. The red <laughs> card. Oh my gosh, greatest handball ever. It, it really was. I mean that and uh, Diego, Diego Maradona, Maradona. <laughs> hand of God, who we've already established is not a good guy, not, not a good dude. <laughs> so what I find interesting about those other curses that you mentioned, and like specifically with the Chicago Cubs, the Boston Red Sox. Um, obviously, American sports curses, baseball. Baseball, if you guys are unfamiliar with, is a (laughs) sport that you play with a ball and a wooden stick that's cylindrical. And you are And you try to hit that ball with said bat. And you're asking if the the healthy dose of stupidity joke is going (laughs) to run out of steam. This bit is never running out of steam. But anyway. So with those curses, it doesn't seem to me that the teams and people that are actually cursed have much to do with the curse or could feasibly say like oh yes we're going to, we're going to get cursed because of this the the chicago cubs curse happened allegedly because they didn't let a goat into the stadium well i thought i thought it was the um oh was it the atlanta braves curse that was it, the ball. The fan caught the ball. No, that, that was, was the Cubs. That was the Cubs. Yeah, yeah, that, was yeah, Cubs. yeah that was Cubs. But yeah. it was. But the the curse was way before that. That yeah. was just part of. That was a part of the thing. As a that part, happened, yeah. As a part of. Yeah, you're right. You're the right. curse. Yeah. They didn't let a goat into the stadium. Which obviously you're not going to let a goat into the stadium. You yeah, just don't you, do that. Nobody lets goats into the stadium. You just don't do that. Yeah. Well, they they apparently got cursed for it. The Boston Red Sox they traded Babe Ruth to the Yankees. Which oh, that was right. Yeah. Unfortunate, certainly. You, the the curse of the great Bambino, maybe you don't foresee that Babe Ruth becomes one of the best players ever. Yeah, it's tough 
getting rid of the the third, well, I guess second if we're not counting Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds doesn't count. Leading 100% doesn't home count. run hitter I don't in the history of baseball. Nope. Um, that is That definitely seems like a mistake in hindsight. But it's not... It doesn't. It doesn't occur to people that I am intentionally cursing someone, or we are going to be cursed because of because this. of this. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Curses are more spooky when they're like you intentionally curse somebody. Yeah. yeah. So I've got a spooky curse for you. Okay. We're going to South America. In Argentine soccer, as there are in most soccer leagues around the world, there are a few clubs that historically have been the most successful clubs in the league. In Argentina, that includes Boca Juniors, River Plate, San Lorenzo, and Independiente. Absolutely. There is one more big club that belongs to this traditional big five, and that is Racing Club. Okay. Which literally just looks like Racing Club. Racing Club, Club. Yeah. yeah, but pronounced Racing Club. Yes. Okay. Racing have won the Argentine Primera División in some form or fashion, um, whether that's a Nacional Championship, a Metropolito Championship, or the Clausura Apertura, one of those. They have won one of those things, because usually they do like two a season. Yeah. They've won one of those things 18 times in their history. It's a bunch. The first time in 1913. Rossing Club also enjoyed a moment as the best club team in the world. Oh, wow. In 1967. Good for them. After they won... Their one and only Copa Libertadores. The winners of the Copa Libertadores at the time competed in something called the Intercontinental Cup, which kind of took the. It, it was followed by, I guess, spiritually followed by the Club World Cup. Okay. It used to okay. just be a game. Yeah. Uh, which had a home and away kind of aggregate playoff thing. Yeah. And it was the champions of South America, the winners of the Copa Libertadores, facing off against the champions of Europe. Okay. So, after they won, they won, and only Copa Libertadores to date. Um, at the time, Celtic were in the midst of their heyday, much in the same as Russing were in the midst of their heyday. In the, they were in the middle of nine straight Scottish championships. They won their only European championship in 1967, and a couple years later, they actually finished the, as runners-up in, in the European Championship. 1969, Yes, you would say. Nice. Great year. <laughs> what a year. This set up a two-game Intercontinental Championship with Racing Club. The games were incredibly rough, and <laughs> after two games, marred by, among other things, spectators throwing things at players on the pitch, players fouling and spitting on each other, the first leg in Glasgow finished 1-0 to Celtic. And the return leg right outside of Buenos Aires and Avellaneda. Avellaneda. I honestly that was tough to say. I couldn't repeat what you just said. So. It is it is a suburb outside of Buenos Aires where Rossing plays. Cool. Um the uh the return leg finished 2-1 to Rossing. Now I don't know why this happened. Instead of taking the game to extra time and or penalties like we would today, um, a.k.a. the best way. Well, well, Celtic got the the away goal, 
So would we go into penalties or would they just win? There was no waggle rule then. at that point yeah. either. But I'm talking about like in modern times. Yeah, maybe. Well, I in guess we don't. Times, we don't really do championships. You don't two like championships yeah, you're right, for you're right. well. Some some people do. Like Copa Libertadores still does two like championships. Yes, yeah, you're right. Um, instead of taking the game to extra time, they had a third one-off match to decide who oh. would win. Okay. Yeah. Um, if that game finished tied. I assume they would have done the penalties thing, as you do. Um, I don't know why they didn't just do that before. Maybe because they wanted a neutral ground for the for the tiebreaker playoff game thing. Um, technically, the third game was played on neutral ground, but the third match was played in Uruguay. Okay. A country Weird. that borders Argentina. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I, not quite neutral, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> we. I actually briefly talked about the the third game, a, a third game being played in the uh, Blood and La Bombonera. No, yeah, yeah. In that episode, it was a really tiny side yes, note, but I yes. did know that. So the game was this game. The third one was also a complete crapshoot, plagued by many of the same issues as the first two games. Um, the game was actually nicknamed the Battle of Montevideo after the Uruguayan capital. Celtic player Jock Stein, Jock Stein, which is a heck of a name. That is that is a name. Said they didn't want to win at that point as much as they wanted to make sure that Rossing didn't win. <laughs> in regards to the violent conduct Rossing had displayed in earlier matches, um, it quickly turned into much of the same. The, it quickly turned violent, and the Paraguayan referee sent off Rossing player Alfio Basile, Basile and Celtic player John Clark for inciting a fight and the two teams continuing to brawl. Clark tried to not leave the pitch and eventually obliged to leave when a police officer wielding a sword ushered him off. Oh, man. <laughs> I still wish police officers wielded swords. Just, just like waving a sword <laughs> getting you to come off the thing, the pitch. Yeah. Very good stuff. Um, both sides had more players sent off for kicking and punching players on the other team. Uh, Celtic had a player that was sent off later in the game, and he refused to leave and actually managed to stay on, didn't get pushed off the field, and played the rest of the game. <laughs> Dang. The okay. referee gave him a red card, yeah. and he just refused. And he played the rest of the game. Uh, I guess the ref right. lodged a complaint about it <laughs> later. But um, during the ensuing fray and the confusion of the player confusing to leave, Celtic player Tommy Gemmel punted a Rossing player in the balls. In total, in this game, 51 fouls were committed by the two sides. But eventually, and perhaps unsurprisingly, given the choice of venue, Rossing defeated Celtic 1-0. They were the first Argentine champions of the Intercontinental Cup. Rossing fans were elated and partied in Uruguay and back home in Argentina. Not as thrilled were the fans of Independiente, another Argentine club. Yeah. Now, you know that if we're talking about rivalries in Argentine soccer, the casual fan will immediately jump to Boca River Plate. Yeah, absolutely. The rivalry between Boca and River has roots in the fact that they originally started in the same area of Buenos Aires, uh, La Boca. Okay, that um, makes sense. In 1901 and 1904. Um, they didn't actually play a first official match against each other until 1913. Um, 
Rossing and Independiente, who are literally right next to each other, have an equally fierce and even older rivalry by some standards. In 1901, some students at Colegio Nacional Central created the club that two years later would be named Rossing Club de Football, uh, the name inspired by French racing clubs, actually. Fun facts. I was wondering. I was wondering if that would be related Mm -hmm. in any way. In 1904, another group of young men, frustrated at their lack of playing time with another club, Mayupu Benfield, broke away and created their own independent club, somewhat uninspired named Independiente. Honestly, I feel those guys. So both Rossing and Independiente play in the Buenos Aires suburb of Avellaneda. Avellaneda. You got it. You crushed it. Yep. Yeah. They played their first match ever against each other as amateur clubs in 1907. So a full six years before Boca and River first officially played each other. And their stadiums today are separated by a distance of about a couple hundred feet. Dang. They're literally right next to each other. You can look up pictures of them. It's like a street. <laughs> it's not even a street. It's, not even it's a all street. like the same plaza. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, it's it's wild. They they are literal next-door neighbors. Um, in fact, if you're sitting in Estadio Libertadores de America, which is Independiente Stadium, you can see Estadio Presidente Juan Domingo Perón, which is Rossing's stadium, right next to it. Wow. Like, you can see it from the stadium if you're sitting up in one of the, one of the higher seats. Yeah. Um, but, not, but not the other way around? Not the other way around because the other stadium, uh, Independiente Stadium, is rectangular and it's like four stands and the corners aren't connected. So you can see through the gap uh, and see the stadium. Okay. Rossing Stadium is nicknamed El Cilindro. It's a circle. Ah, uh, very cool. And there's a roof all the way around. So you can't see, like, outside of it at nice. all. Nice. Stadiums are so cool. Stadiums are stadiums are neat. Confirmed. <laughs> By science. Yeah. Uh, this rivalry between the two uh, became notorious in the late 90s and early 2000s when uh, several gunfights amongst supporters resulted in deaths. Sounds about right. Yes. Although the bad blood between the two teams certainly existed in the 60s. In 1961, a game between the two had to be stopped for six minutes due to a brawl, the result of which was the referee sending off eight players, four from each team. Dang. Okay. So, Rossing and Independiente don't like each other. It's kind of seen as the second biggest rivalry in Argentina. And that's just more or less, I think, because the clubs didn't end up being as famous as Boca and River did. Gotcha. Not due to the fact that the rivalry is any less intense than the Boca and River rivalry is. Yeah, yeah. Now, in the 50s and 60s, Independiente were pretty good. They won a few titles. Um, They even became uh, Copa Libertadores champions themselves. But Rossing were a pretty dominant team at the time. Helped along by their most popular fan, General and President Juan Perón, who is a sticky figure in the grand scheme of Argentine politics. Gotcha. Um, I'm trying to figure out how best to describe this. He's kind of like... He's a little... I'm not, I'm not equating these two people in terms of... How he is seen by different groups of people. He's a little Fidel Castro-ish. Okay. Um, he 
was kind of a strong man. He was a general that became the president actually several times. And he, under him, um, he established a lot of very progressive left leaning kind of, uh, policies and things like minimum wage went up actually minimum wage was established under him in argentina nice um and by most accounts a lot of conditions for workers improved and he ran um under a very like worker centric populist banner yeah um but also he was a noted fan of the fascist model um a noted fan of benito mussolini in italy also welcomed um Nazis that were fleeing the Nuremberg war trials after World yeah, War II. I ended. mean, Argentina was the safe haven yes. for those guys. So Juan Perón, not necessarily a good dude. Yeah. Um, certainly, I would, I would, I feel comfortable in saying Juan Perón, probably not a good dude. Although a ton of people loved him, and Rossing was his favorite club. Okay. Their stadium is named after him. And he still has, actually, I mean, he's dead now, but there is still an active political party that's pretty popular in Argentina um, called the Peronists. Oh. Yeah. Wow. So Get a political party named after you. Yes. In 1967, in particular, was a crowning achievement for Racing Club. While Independiente had become the first Argentine club ever to win the Copa Libertadores three years prior, Racing, I'm pretty sure that's the, that's the case. I'm fairly certain. I am not completely 100% certain. I may be wrong on that. Rossing won up them. I know this is true, though. Rossing won up them by winning the treble. They were the first Argentine club to do this. Mm. They won the Argentine Primera. They won the Copa Libertadores. And they won the Intercontinental Cup. They were un- understandably elated at completing such a historic achievement, while several intrepid Independiente fans decided that something needed to be done about their annoying neighbors. A plan was quickly hatched, the necessary supplies gathered, and under cover of night, those Independiente fans did something to Rossing that would hound the club for 35 years. They took seven black cats. They killed them. Oh my gosh. And they buried their corpses under Rossing's pitch. Hey, all you cool cats. We bring this section in, talking all sexy-like. Cats who are still very much alive and not dead like the ones that Adam just said were, in fact, killed and buried under a field. Exceedingly alive cats. Here we are with a listener review that uh, comes from somebody who's very near and dear to not only my heart... (laughs) But Adam's heart and and the rest of his life. I was gonna say body, but I just I mean said that it. is technically <laughs> uh, here's a five star review titled I Can Dig It from Mrs. Snavely. Um there being several Mrs. Snavelys in the world currently, this one is married to me. Not our mother. Not our mother. Not Drew's Mrs. Snavely. Well, she's actually still Mrs. Moran or Miss Moran. Well, I don't know if it's like Mrs. Well, so is Mackenzie technically. Yeah, I don't Still know. Mrs. Connell, Miss Connell, whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> but you titled it Mrs. Snavely, so here we go. This podcast is so much more than soccer. Ooh. 
What a way to start. Very nice. I love it because I'm a lover of weird facts and interesting history. This one is framed around soccer, but you don't have to know anything about the game, really, to understand and get on board with the storytelling. I didn't hate the current soccer events recap of the former format, but the new setup is all the stuff I loved without the things I had no context for. <laughs> it's funny. It's digestible. It's sometimes actually smart. The brothers are great. The editing is pretty dang good, considering it's a new podcast that's homegrown. And the music is three flames emojis. Overall, quite fun. Ugh. Mrs. Snavely, Mackenzie, thank you. Thank you so much, Mackenzie. For the, I'm wiping away tears. For from... the honest and constructive feedback. Incredibly kind. Yeah. Things to say to Pointing us. out our sound editing. And how we have one microphone and a chair that it is currently resting on between us. With a blanket resting over the back That's of it. The, the back of the chair specifically. For a little uh, sound insulation. We've tossed around the idea of building ourselves a blanket for it every time we record. Um, but it feels like we would be too hot and also that the returns might be too diminishing for it to be worth it. Yeah, it'd be way too sweaty. I already sweat enough as is. On the other hand, it would be a blanket fort. It would be a blanket fort. That's all we know. Which Blanket forts are great. They always slap so hard. Just like our music. Just like our music. Speaking of which... And we are back for the second half of the story. Adam, a lot of cats have died, but... People might not have necessarily found them because they were also buried under a soccer field. That's correct? Drew, you got that right. Okay. I just wanted to make sure we were on the same page here. Yeah. The, the, uh, the TLDR version of the first half of the podcast goes as follows. Rossing and Independiente play in the same Buenos Aires suburb right next to each other. They don't like each other. They have one of the oldest rivalries in Argentina. In 67, Rossing dominated everyone, won the treble. Um... And Independiente fans, having had enough of all this Rossing success, broke into El Cilindro, Rossing Stadium, where Rossing fans celebrated elsewhere and buried the corpses of seven black cats under the pitch, ostensibly to curse Rossing. Yeah, obviously. If I was going to curse somebody, that's what I would do. It seems logical in a way. It's definitely leaning into the stereotypes, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, that actually, it's it's kind of terrible. A lot of black cats get killed around this time of year, Halloween specifically. That does suck. Which is like, I mean, black cats didn't do anything. No. They just look creepy as hell, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I guess. <laughs> so, the next season, in 1968, Rossing finished in a three-way tie for first place in Argentina. But in the three-team playoff, they came in last and ultimately settled for third place overall. The next year, 69. Nice. Great year. They finished in eighth place. In fact, year after year, Rossing's play and points total would continue to dwindle almost without any explanation whatsoever. In 1976, nine years after their historic treble, they finished one point clear of relegation in the Primera. Dang. And in 1983, they were relegated. Oh my goodness. They had not won a single trophy since 1967 at the time. 
Jeez, man. That is crazy. And they, they never found any cat-like bumps in the pitch. We're, get, we're getting to it. No. Okay. They okay. were playing. I mean, they were playing on the pitch. Yeah. It wasn't really like pitch tampering. Yeah. Because they were playing on it. And to, you know, you have a groundskeeper. You have people that are us trying to take care of the field. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I'm sure it was as flat as the earth. If they were... <laughs> Which we all know is flat. <laughs> Which we all know is flat. <laughs> Correct. Thank you, Drew. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, obviously there weren't any notable bumps in the pitch. Otherwise, those would have been found and removed real quickly. Um, yeah. yeah. And there is no story of that actually happening. Meanwhile, Independiente were bagging trophies left and right next door. Following Rossing's 1967 season, Independiente claimed Argentine titles in 1970, 1971, 1977, 1978, and 1983. They also added Copa Libertadores championships in 1972, 1973, 1974, and 1975. An incredible four tournaments in a row. The 70s were hot fire for... Mm Mm-hmm. For Independiente. And to add insult to injury, they one-upped Rossing's status as the first Argentine club to be named best club in the world with not one, but two Intercontinental Cup victories. One in 1973 over Juventus, and one in 1984 over Liverpool. While Rossing shriveled from the limelight, Independiente were thriving. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they. that's about as good as you could hope a curse would go. Four years in a row to win Copa Libertadores. I mean, they didn't. Necess- they didn't even like curse. They cursed another team, but they just got better. Yeah, it's like they sucked up all their power. Yeah, maybe that's what happened. Maybe it was like a. They're like Rogue and X Men. They reverse cursed themselves yeah. while cursing Rossing. Impressive, actually. The uh, Independiente gained the nickname the King of Cups Ooh. because of how many championships they won. Yeah, which is a ton. I like that. Now. Rossing fans, at this point, knew about the cat, the curse and the cats allegedly buried under their pitch and had, at times, attempted a couple different methods to try to undo it. At one point, even, several thousand fans dug up their own home pitch in an effort to find the cat corpses. They exhumed six of the culprits. The seventh, however, proved to be elusive. Oh, no. <laughs> Rossing managed to claw its way, pun intended, out of the second division and back into the Primera in 1985. And even won a Supercopa Libertadores, which was a weird kind of exhibition tournament that existed for only a little bit. It's like Um, the Community Shield. No, well, kind of. It, It was the first year of that competition and was a competition open to all previous winners of the Copa Libertadores. Which at that point was thirteen clubs. Gotcha. Um, so it was a it was a much smaller tournament. Yeah. Um, these rather small victories didn't end Rossing's mis- misery. However, in nineteen ninety eight, the club was forced to declare bankruptcy, and were actually briefly suspended from play. Oof. Credit to the club's fans. Um, the club's suspension coincided with at least one home game in which 
thousands of Rossing fans still showed up to the empty stadium and sang and chanted for 90 minutes as if a game was taking place. That's so cool. That, that, is, is, that is pretty that sweet. That is really cool. There are a lot of times where soccer fans do really cool things like that and so many other times when they do really terrible things. Really, really dumb things. That are just absolutely terrible. Most of the time, dumb, terrible things. Yeah. Sometimes... I have a feeling where the story is going. Independiente, meanwhile, won more domestic titles in 1989 and 1994. There's still a cat. There's still <laughs> one corpse. There's still that cat. Gotta go get that corpse. Gotta get that cat. <laughs> we have to find we it. Have to find we have to dig up the corpse. <laughs> go move that corpse. <laughs> this is a very, very old video that Drew and I are referring to. And if you don't know about the love corner, don't worry about it. It's like YouTube 1.0. YouTube the love corner. The love the corner, corner, love corner of love uh, corner. of patience and uh, understanding. <laughs> the corner of patience and understanding. <laughs> We're having love barbecue and you're all up in our grill. Oh, you man. Get us some wet naps or go home. Now you're in it for everybody. Yep. In 1999, in the midst of the financial chaos the club was in, its supporters decided to take action in the only way they knew they could. An estimated... 100,000 fans marched to El Cilindro, and with them came a priest who conducted an exorcism oh my goodness. in an attempt to banish any evil spirits from the place that might be holding the curse there. According to myth, I didn't find good sources as far as like corroborating sources for all this, this story. I've seen it in a few places, but I haven't seen it in a place where I was like, oh yes... This definitely happened because... Validated. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this newspaper I can actually trust kind of thing. Um, it was alleged that the priest at the time said, soon the cause of all of this will come to light. Mm, okay. Well, here's the thing. Here's uh, Even if it is just like a myth or um, a folk tale... Mm-hmm. Uh, if you will, I mean, like this is the time of year for for stories like this, it legends, is. It is. you know. So, and even if it's not a hundred percent true, it's still really fascinating. So that was 1999. Yeah. In 2000, Rossing switched up their financial structure um, and entered into a decade-long plan to pay off their sizable debts. In 2001, the club needed a new coach, and they hired one Reynaldo Merlo to coach the team. As a player, Merlo was known for two things. His hard-nosed defense in the midfield and his long blonde hair, which earned him the nickname Mostaza, which means mustard. Nice. <laughs> so, Mustard Merlo made over 500 appearances for River Plate as a player. He was the, that was the only team he ever played for. Oh, dang. Um, as a coach, he had already managed several teams before he ended up at Rossing, but when he came into the club... He approached the topic of Rossing's curse very seriously. He ordered the entire pitch dug up, renovated, and he wanted that last cat corpse found. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta take that th- that thing seriously. And found, the seventh cat finally was. Yes, where was it? It turns out the last cat had been so hard to find because its remains had been buried not in under the field itself, but to the side of the pitch in an old moat that had been around the pitch and that had subsequently been filled in with concrete. Oh, my goodness. So So they took out the concrete? Yeah, because they were tearing up literally all the grass. 
the whole, the everything within the stands was torn up, and they also tore up this concrete. But that's why nobody could find it before when they were digging up the field because it was literally under like a foot of concrete. That's crazy. And to find one cat corpse in an entire football field and like the immediate surrounding area, I, I said football, but I meant soccer. Um, as we all know, football as, as is, is a, a hand egg game. And I just, that's got to be so hard to find one cat corpse yeah yeah out of it's the entire difficult. field like, even if you have um your your excavator mm-hmm. and you're pushing all that dirt it'd be so easy to just like push yep. bones around and not even see it because it's that's yes. crazy yes i mean this this was this was 35 years later yeah it's been it's been you're just literally finding bones that's yeah it. insane um, so the same year 2001 Rossing were crowned the 2001 Argentine Apertura champions. Stop. I'm not joking oh at all. Gosh. They only lost, lost one game in the Apertura season. They won 12 games, drew six, and lost one time to Jeez. win a domestic championship for the first time in 35 years and the first time since those cats had been buried under their stadium. That is crazy. So prior to the season... They dug up the pitch. They found the last cat corpse. They replaced all the field and the grass and everything. And then they played the Apertura season and they won. Yeah. Yeah, that is uh, that's pretty remarkable um, considering all like the financial. Mm-hmm. Yes. The financial the, situation the financial, there and yes. new coach, everything. Oh, absolutely. And um, Reynaldo Merlo, I found this while I was researching, he had this thing uh, where when people would ask him about the season or be nervous about Rossing's chances and all this stuff, he responded, he became known for this response, paso a paso, which means step by step. Okay. And it kind of brought this calming presence to the club in several ways. Um, Amen. On Sunday, March 31st, 2019, Rossing clinched the Primera División yet again. Their 18th domestic title in club history and third domestic title won by the club since the seventh cat was found. Wow. And that is the story of the burial of Racing Club. Wow. That is, that is beautiful. Do you know um, if uh, Independiente has done anything since they found the last corpse? They have. They've, 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 they've won, won some stuff. Yeah. It's too bad. <laughs> it would have been cool if it was like they found the last oh, corpse and they like relegated uh can't can't win a game can't buy a win <laughs> oh my gosh just absolute pits of despair that's terrible <laughs> you have to i mean there wasn't really a good reason to to put a curse on on uh rossing i will say okay so they won the apertura in 2002 so only like a year later that was the last domestic title that they won so it's been a while now for them but they that's what happens when you play with satan they, <laughs> they've won since that time a couple of copa Sudamericanas, which is like the south american europa league basically gotcha. it's like the secondary cool. club yeah. cup competition yeah, 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 yeah um but that's pretty much it so you could say that maybe rossing Got their groove back, and Independiente subsequently lost it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, 
Maybe. Not not to the same extent of we literally didn't win a championship that really mattered all that much for 35 years from the time that cats were buried under our, under our pitch to the time where we finally found the last one and took it out. Well, it was a really good curse. I know. Uh, yeah. In in terms of curses, top tier curse. They 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 know how to do it. They do Nicely it well down there. Done. Yeah. I appreciate how like by the book it was too. Because I remember if we're going back to our our baseball curses that we mentioned at the yeah. beginning of the episode, I remember several Cubs fans. You mentioned the uh, the guy reaching for the foul ball. Yeah, yeah. And all yeah. that. I remember during that series because the Cubs were were favorites that year, and they didn't make it out of the National League. They didn't make it to the World Series. No. Um. I remember there was they let a goat into the stadium during one of those during one of those games, uh, and they had this whole thing. Yeah, I remember where that. They had this whole thing where this guy was like chanting about how they were reversing the curse and all this <laughs> yeah, stuff, and then and then it didn't work at all. Yeah. So oh and the gosh. Cubs and it, it just ended up like it seems it seems as if usually when these curses end, it just happens. This one. The curse occurred because these cats were under the pitch, and the curse ended directly after the cats were dug up. It really makes you really makes you think what uh, Rossin could have done those thirty five years where they had that. I mean, they had the cap cat corpses buried mm-hmm. under their pitch. Uh, how many more trophies they would have won? Because clearly, I mean. Clearly, that's the only reason why they weren't that's, winning that's things. That's the only reason. Uh-huh. That's, that's the only logical reason. It makes me think that maybe we should dig up Old Trafford. Oh, I don't. I don't know about all that. Mm. I don't. Mm. Unless I hear something, <laughs> we'll see. I guess <clears throat> we might. We might see. Who knows? I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Zlatan put a curse on us or Jose. It was probably David Moyes, though. It was probably David Moyes. Because as soon as that guy came in. <laughs> it probably wasn't even an intentional curse from him. Oh, you know, it was just, Fellaini. It yeah. was Fellaini. 100% Fellaini, yeah. <laughs> no, I like the idea of David Moyes accidentally cursing people. Like, yeah. he doesn't know that he's doing it. He just does it. <laughs> that makes sense like to me. That sheer makes sense incompetence. Yes, yes. <laughs> gross, gross <laughs> incompetence. Oh, uh, yeah, that's nice. The Curse I of like Crossing. That. I like that. By David Moyes. Oh, well. Well, thank you so much for that that spooky story. Thank you for thank you for listening to me. Yeah. And thank you, listeners, for listening to us. As always, you can find us on social media at DeadballPod on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, as well as Facebook. Def- definitely most active on Twitter, but we do update Instagram and Facebook fairly regularly. You can email us at deadballpod at gmail.com. Any questions or concerns, any stories or weird things you want us to look into. Uh, Two stories ago now, Adam dug a little bit for a listener question. Yes. And uh, an entire story came out of it. It did. It was a full episode, which is pretty cool. Um, We also... As always, would really, really love it if you rated us and reviewed us uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast. It helps us get seen and heard by more people. Um, it helps us game the algorithm a little bit. We have 35 five-star reviews currently mm. on Apple Podcasts, and which is pretty dope. Each and every one of you is, will make it to... Uh, what's, that, what's that place that uh, Thor lives? Um, Asgard? Well, I guess... What what's the what's the heaven of the what's Nordic heaven? Oh, Val, Valhalla or something. Val, Valhalla. Valhalla. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Each and every 30, 35, one of you people 
We'll make it into Valhalla. We will see you in Valhalla. We will see you in Valhalla. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh man. man. Uh, and also, uh, we got some test prints back for merchandise. Oh, yeah. We were supposed to mention that earlier. Uh, Completely forgot. That I actually wore. I've worn a couple times now. And they look pretty nice. They look pretty nice. They look, look pretty decent. And you got a compliment on one of them. I did. I, did, I got a couple compliments on them. Look so, at that. Look at that go. That news hopefully will be dropping very, very soon. But until that time, as always, my name is Adam Whitaker Snavely. I'm Drew Snavely. And we love you so, so much. Platonically, but nonetheless, intensely and passionately. I also want to add protect the black cats this Halloween season. Yeah, don't kill any black cats this don't Halloween season, any... you jerks. And if you see anybody, stop it. If you see something, say something. <laughs> okay. We can cut that part out. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>